Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg. It's the Football Film Room Podcast. Hello and welcome inside the Football Film Room alongside veteran scout, coach, and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg, and yes, the offseason has begun, so the rumor mill is as hot as ever, Chris. And this is a fun time <laughs> of the year for football fans. It really is, because look, the Super Bowl is in the rear view. Now every team is back to 0-0, and we can start looking towards the future, right? The draft is coming up. You're going to start to see mock drafts flutter the internet, and people are going to speculate on who their team is going to draft, but also free agents trades, the quarterback carousel. Uh, there's a lot of things to talk about now and be excited about now if you are a football fan. Absolutely. And cheap plug here. If you want to get a head start on that Landry football, we've got the initial look of going to be the most targeted free agents by position and then overall. But then I'm going to get the free agent board. Here's a little tip. I've got a and I put something up there that's free. It's a very inexpensive membership. We encourage you to check it out. But I've got a free post that everybody that's listening should watch. Go, go read. It's free agency do's and don'ts. What's unique about free agency is that, okay, you got a list. The league here is a month away. So some of those guys are going to resign with a team. Um, the ones that don't become free agents. But as we learn, and we're going to talk about today, you got trade possibilities, and we're going to have designations of franchise and transition yep. tags if you decide to, to use one of those tags. Uh, but then you're going to have releases like J.J. Watt, and I know we'll talk about him. That's not a free agent. He becomes a free agent, and those are different free agents. So the guys that are under contract are still with their team until the new league year starts. Um, but and then you got potential trades that can't be done officially to the new league year starts, but you can have trade discussions. And so there you're right. There's a lot of conversation, a lot of rumors, a lot of discussions, a lot of falsities that are put inside the media's head to negotiate through the media. I mean, I think a lot of that happens to kind of put, send messages out there. I got up in my notebook to down Landry football that, the Eagles are trying to put out there latest news. The bears are the leader for Carson Wentz. Well, why do you think that? Why do you think, you know, where is that coming from? It's coming from the Eagles coming from Howie Roseman. That's a message to the Colts of, you know, because the Eagles simply are not getting 
what they think is value. They've, mm-hmm. they've, they've missed represented his market value. Here's the thing about trade, Scott. You know this, but we got to remind our listeners this all the time. When you trade a player, you can't look at just what the player is worth in trade value. You have to look at the contract details. Remember when we talked about the Stafford and the golf deal? Mm-hmm. Well, those contracts, it's like in order to take that contract, it's going to cost a lot. So, for example, Carson Wentz, the player, even the player that's flawed and has struggled a little bit, the player is worth so, you know, at a certain level. When you throw in his contract, it makes his value less. So that means I'm not going to give you as much for Carson Wentz if I could pay him to a new deal. You've got to understand if, Scott, you got Carson Wentz, I'm interested in Carson Wentz. You've got to understand that I'm going to need something more from you, meaning I'm going to give less because I'm not just taking Carson Wentz. I'm taking his contract, which is a little bit of an albatross. It's Mm -hmm. it's an anchor. And I think those are things that people forget sometimes. You're not trading the player. You're trading the contract. And so that's why sometimes people look at the trade value And you can't look at the trade value. It's not like a trade chart where you're trading the 10th pick for the 20th pick in a draft. That's static. That's consistent. And it all is depending on who's on your board. But when you're talking about trading player for player, you can't look, well, player A is better than player B. You should get more. No, because look at the contracts. The contracts may completely flip the value of the player upside down. So I think that's interesting and throws an interesting dynamic to this whole process that um, I know we're going to get to today and we invite all our, our people uh, to, you know, to chime in on it because I yep. think where's JJ Watt going to go? Is Deshaun Watson going to get traded? The Texans stay now. What about Dak? And how's the Cowboys going to handle it? How's he going to handle it? And then, you know, right now it's well, where JJ Watt's going to go because we know he's, He's already yeah. out there. And Carson Wentz, you know, and by the way, the deadline is when the deadlines are true deadlines. When is the league year start? When is the roster bonus due? That's the deadline. Don't, mm-hmm. yeah. don't, don't think anything else. You get it done before that, fine. But usually the deadlines create movements, right, Scott? Because yeah, of course. You know what? Until I this is my best offer. This is my best offer. I'm not moving. I'm not moving. Thank you. Okay. When the 15th comes at <laughs> the start to end, all of a sudden it, it it that's it. You get the last offer. Let's talk about JJ Watt, uh, because that's the biggest name right now. It came out, you know, the past week that he wanted out. The Texans have granted him his wish. And by the way, this is not I know some people were trying to make similarities or, or arguments about his situation versus the Sean Watson's. It's completely different. OK, J, uh, JJ Watt has a big cap hit. He's often injured. He's getting up there. Uh, and at this point, you're not going to get trade value for him, whereas Deshaun Watson is a commodity that you're not granting a release to. You're going to wait to see what you can get from him because you know you're going to get something for him. But anyway, back to J.J. Watt. How much does he have left in the tank, Chris? Does the injury history concern you if you are a GM looking to sign him? And do you think he still has the same value that 
his name would bring up. Because again, J.J. Watt the name and J.J. Watt the player might be two separate things right now. Yeah, uh, a few things. Does he have value? Yes. What is that value? I think significantly less snaps than a full-time player. But great versatility. Line up on the nose, line up three technique, line up wide, can play any front, even front, odd front, just Swiss Army knife that can rush the passer and still get it. Is he going to do it for 500 snaps a year? No. But can he give you enough quality snaps to be a factor? Now, where does he want to go? Well, he wants to go with a team that can win compete for a title well that's where he has value so how do you do a deal like that well you incentivize the deal i mean he's gonna have to get some money he's made money i mean he's not gonna i don't see him going somewhere where the team's not good just because somebody's going to quote unquote overpay him i mean we've seen deals like that done in the past they never work (laughs) what is he gonna do Mm -hmm. what is he gonna do to take a, a a a seller dweller and make them elite he can't no, but but, but, he, I, but he can make a difference I, yes. with a really good team. And, and so what you do is, and I'm gonna get you to second, just to wrap this up. I know I'm long-winded. So you you make an incentivized deal based upon playing time, mm-hmm, snaps, mm-hmm. and results to where he can make as much money as his numbers will and you know, healthy in the playoffs and all that. So he'd be great for a contender. Who would that be? Well, the Packers would be one that could he could help. That's a hometown. team that needs help. Um, I do think that the, he's got a lot of family in Pittsburgh and it's, well, that's what I want to bring it up. That's what I want to bring up because again, everyone looks at Pittsburgh from the family connection, right? TJ and, and Derek are there and you know, you can have all three of the Watt brothers playing for the Steelers and it's a great story. I look at the Steelers though, from a roster fit perspective, because look at, where the Steelers were great this year when they had this long run, this undefeated run, the best record in the league. People want to bring up the fact that, oh, they played subpar talent and subpar quarterbacks, and then later in the year they were exposed by better teams. No, I think they were exposed later in the year, Chris, after Bud Dupree got hurt. Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt were fantastic for the Steelers this year. When Bud Dupree left and he was hurt, Their defense was not the same. They did not get the same type of pressure. Now, if you add J.J. Watt into the mix, this now makes this defense better, as good if not better, than where they were with a healthy Bud Dupree and a healthy T.J. Watt when they were rolling off 11 straight wins. That's the Steelers team. That's the recipe for the Steelers to be a Super Bowl contending team. And so to me, it's not about, oh, they played subpar talent and then later in the year they got exposed. To me, it was their defense was creating pressure. And then when they lost their leading sack you know, pass rusher and Bud Dupree, well, T.J. Watt was getting double teamed now and they just didn't have the same pressure. If you add J.J. Watt, Forget about the fact that it's his brother's team and you can get all three Watt brothers on the same roster because I don't know. I don't even know if Derek's going to be on the roster next year. Who knows? You know, he's not exactly right. a key player. It's about TJ. But now you just add another dynamic. If you have TJ Watt, JJ Watt, and Bud Dupree, that's a pretty good defensive front. 
if they keep Bud Dupree, and he may be gone. So it makes the move of J.J. Watt even more valuable, Mm -hmm. needy, necessary. I I still think they're going to need to draft another young outside backer. But there again, J.J. can line up with his hands down, with his hands up. That's the versatility. J.J., so I think he'd be good there. I think he'd be good in Green Bay. I think anybody that's a contender, and then – you know, now you may make the case that is Pittsburgh good enough? Is Pittsburgh close enough mm. in the AFC or is Green Bay close yeah. in the NFC? <laughs> I'll give you another one. I'll give you another one. Um, because we've got a question here and we appreciate everybody, you know, participating in the comment section. But um, what if the Bucks don't get Jack Barrett deal done? No, the Bucks, that's a team that would be no state tax. And, you know, I know that's always a little bit, but that's a team that now can, is a winner. Can they go back? You got Brady again. I mean, I I think that is considered, I think any team that's a contender that's close, that's right there to, to optimize the chance to win. Now, again, does JJ Watt replace Shaq Barrett? No, he's a cheaper price that could play better situationally. But if you want to go with a young guy and, you know, so you're getting two different things and maybe a two for one type deal. And you basically would be betting on JJ Watt being healthy and kind of players coach, you know, um, Bruce would, you know, JJ would practice minimally during the season and just get prepared to the end of the year. There's a lot of reasons for that. So I'm not saying, you know, don't the takeaway is not Landry says it's going to the box. I, I, I don't know. I'm just saying, I think it's going to be a contender. I, I don't, with all due respect, I don't think he's going to Detroit. You know I mean? I'm not, I'm not trying to be cruel, but I, yeah. I don't think he's going to where he's going to transform a team, build a team. I think he wants to go to help a team get over the top or help a team that's right there. Or in the case of the bucks has been there. I mean, look, I mean, w- would he go to, if there's a spot and they want to add it, would he go to Kansas city? Would he go? I mean, think contenders. Yeah. That's the fit. And then from there, that's going to be the pool that he chooses from. And then it's going to be comfortable. How does he feel about the coach? Uh, how does he feel? I mean, the system he's, he can morph into any system. That's a big fit for most, but for him, he can fit, but where does he want to do? Where does he want to get most of his snaps? How do you feel he can help? What is the game plan that this team versus that team versus the other team has for him? And then contractually, which one can make that work? Look, money's always important, but we're not talking about J.J. Watt, to your point initially, is he's not going to get the contract that he mm-hmm. got before all the injuries started to take place. He's an older guy, but he still has great value in a situational role. But that's going to come from a contender, not somebody that's going to need 600 snaps on this guy. It's just not what he's going to be able to give you healthy. Boy, and he can pull LeBron James, go to Green Bay, return home. They'll sell a lot of jerseys, you know. He's a Wisconsin guy through and through, and and they would love him there in Green Bay, and he would definitely help the Packers out for sure. Uh, Let's talk about his now former teammate, Deshaun Watson. There's been rumors today that the Carolina (laughs) Panthers – are putting together a big push in order to bring in Deshaun Watson. Does that make sense for Carolina? Do you see that as a fit for Deshaun? Uh, what's the latest uh, from your end on Deshaun Watson status? They're a young team. They invested a lot in their defense last year uh, in the draft. Um, 
they know they need to get better quarterback play. And Teddy did a nice job for him, serviceable job for him. But um, look, Deshaun Watson's under contract. He is an elite quarterback. It makes sense for just about anybody. What you have to decide is what you're willing to give up. Would they be willing to give up? Because part of it's been talked about Christian McCaffrey. Is that that even something that the Texans want? I'm not saying they wouldn't want Christian McCaffrey, but they mm-hmm. may want another pick instead of a Christian McCaffrey. So, I mean, there's the, the rumor floating around that they're willing to give up three first-round picks and Christian McCaffrey. Um, well, yeah, that, that might be, you know, but do you do that if you're Carolina? Well, here's what it does. It certainly gives you a quarterback and fix that. And it's not a quarterback that you got one or two years, but it certainly hinders what you can do in terms of building the roster around them. Um, you got a great, you know, young team, great young organization. You got an owner that is just a, he he is so competitive and wanting to do whatever it takes to win and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's just going to be about how much draft capital do you give up? What makes the most sense? And it, you're going to have to peel him away from the Texans. Okay, this is one in which they don't want to make a move. The Eagles have clearly made, and I'm, I'm not comparing the player, okay? Don't get me wrong, but I'm just comparing situations. The Eagles have, and I don't know if it's their fault. It's just where the media has taken it, and they haven't taken it a different way. They've they've been pretty obvious that they want to trade Carson Wentz. Well, that hurts a little bit of the leverage. The Texans, to their credit, have said, We're, we don't want to trade. No interest in trading Deshaun Watson. Well, that's what you say. I mean, you create the leverage. Basically, you're saying, we don't want him. It's kind of like saying, my house is not for sale. Scott, my house is not for sale. If somebody wants to pay, and I don't even know if this is legal, some real estate guy will call and tell me or gal will tell me, but if they want to pay me like a lot more, then and I got to figure out how to get some moving boxes together. Well, absolutely. If somebody you know, you offers get, you uh, three times over market value, yes, then yes you're going to take it. I think I think <laughs> I got to find another place to live and, you know, and I'll do that. That's the point. And so I do think there's still a possibility that he could be traded, but it's going to take something in that range. Uh, particularly Carolina, um, you know, remember a first round pick is not a first round pick. It's where is that first round pick? You of know, course. so Carolina is in a spot where their first round pick exactly is eight. It's a good pick. You don't know, again, unless you have multiple picks in one round. And, and if you do, it's you, very rare. You're going to have the fourth and the eighth pick or something. So, you don't know what that pick's going to be in future years. So let's say you trade two first-round picks for the next two years. Well, there's no way to know for certain how good it's going to be. You Usually the rule of thumb is you say it's going to be mid-round. So you're going to say, eh, 16. That's, and it may be up, it may be down. But you you basically are, if you do that, you're, you're basically hindering yourself big time with being able to build a team around him. But it's something you got to consider. And if you don't have that guy and you got a chance to go get an elite talent like Deshaun Watson, who's young, under contract, it's something that I – they are definitely in the quarterback business. They're going to take one at eight. So if their idea is, okay, we're not going to take the eighth pick. We're going to use that one of that pick 
and two others. So their mind and their way of thinking, they'd be saying it's two first round picks because they're going to take one at eight. We're just going to see if we can't do a deal for Watson. McCaffrey's outstanding, but you can find backs. We're going to give basically two more first round picks for Deshaun Watson. That's how they're looking at it and why they may be considering it. And I'm curious to see if that's going to be enough or if they truly are willing to go that steep in the price. It's it's steep. It's deep, but he's one hell of a player, and he fits yeah. a position that is the most important, and he's a difference maker, and he could take that team and transform that organization around probably quicker than any other one player could. Um, other teams that are in the market for quarterbacks, do the Dolphins, who have made a deal with the Texans earlier this year, is that a potential landing spot for Deshaun Watson? You know, what's really interesting, and I think that, that's one of the things that would be interesting. And I do think the Dolphins have a little bit more leverage because any trade that the Dolphins would have, the player would include Tua. Yes. And I do know the Patriots, and, and I don't know if it's really Nick or Bill, and they, they love Tua. Nick Cesario is now the GM at the Texans. Mm -hmm. Nick come from New England for those. I know most know that. I know you know that, Scott. I think that that's possibility. There again, uh, what are they willing to give up? What do they what do they truly believe? I, I can tell you they would not say this publicly. They think Deshaun's a better quarterback than Tua could be. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't I think it's a possibility. I think they would definitely look into that. Again, what's the cost? They are picking a little bit later. Therefore, um, you know, the cost might be a little bit more cumbersome to be able to get a deal done there. Uh, and, and again, keep in mind when you're trading, you're trading the overall pick. So, yeah, 18th. So that's going to be awfully tough. You're given, you'd have to probably give 18 and maybe a three this year. And and probably a, a two ones in the future. That's what they're going to want in Houston. That's 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 costly. So it would take a little bit more, for example, for the Dolphins. Now, maybe when you're dealing with a player, that's the outlier. So if you're the Texans and you much rather have Tua than Christian McCaffrey, you might be able to back off some of the picks. You know what I'm saying? So it really depends upon when you're dealing with any players involved in the trade, unless it's a sweetener. Uh, that might be important because, again, Christian McCaffrey is a great player. Don't get me wrong. Quarterback is much more difficult to fill and replace. So I think that's a better bargaining chip that the Dolphins have to make this deal if they, they want to go through with it. I want to get your thoughts on this. Speaking of Tua, Mike Tenenbaum tweeted this out today, uh, former, gen former general manager, uh, uh, comparing Tua's final season at Alabama to Mac Jones's season this past year and the stats will show you that Tua in nine games had a 71.4 completion percentage compared to Mac Jones's 77.4 completion percentage Tua threw for 2,840 yards with 33 touchdowns and three interceptions in just nine games while Mac Jones threw for 4,500 yards with 41 touchdowns and four interceptions now Mike went on to say that Tua had four first round picks at wide receiver during that season whereas Mac Jones had the majority of this season without Jalen Waddle and just with Heisman Trophy winner Devontae Smith 
I know it's hard did to he, compare. Did he, did, he, did he mention that Tua played mostly injured that year? No, he did not. This, this is why I wanted to get your thoughts on this. I, I, I'm not sure Mike even knew that. You know, yeah, Mike, so, uh, so I just wanted yeah. to get your thoughts on this because uh, there's a, there's talk about, you know, the Dolphins maybe want to trade to a, uh, Mac Jones is not really getting the draft hype that uh, other quarterbacks are getting right now. You know, I've even seen um, and, and we can talk about your draft board eventually, but I've seen, you know, Trey Lance from uh, uh, was North Dakota State, right? North Dakota um, State. He's, he's, he's more, getting he's getting more, more love yeah, yeah. than yeah. Mac Jones. <laughs> but when you look at the numbers that Mac Jones put up this year and you compare him to someone like Tua, it raises some eyebrows. Yeah, it is, except. And 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 I get it. If if you're a if you look at numbers, mm-hmm. numbers don't evaluate. And and a guy like Mike, I know Mike. Mike's a lawyer, and Mike is Mike doesn't study film, and the the numbers are irrelevant. I mean, really, all the the numbers is is give you a, a look. The film tells you what's responsible for that. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, I mean, you can look at guys who had awful numbers. You know, um, I mean, what, what to me, the issue with Tua is his height, lack of height, yeah. lack of durability. And that's a real concern. The, the, there's no doubt Deshaun Watson's better. That's not the question of the yes. So the comparison of Mac Jones, I, I think there was legitimate risk with Mac. I don't think Mac is a great, a great arm. He doesn't have a great arm. He doesn't have great size, a little taller than Tua. He doesn't move as well as Tua. Um, but I think there are limitations. Um, do I think Mac can be a good quarterback in this league? I, I do. I don't think he's ever going to be a great one. But, you know, can can he be a guy that can be David Carr-like, um, a better version of a Ryan Tannehill? Mm-hmm. Can he be a knockoff version of a Joe Burrow? Um, yes, yes, and yes. So does that interest you? I mean, I think it does for some folks. I mean, if you can't get Trevor Lawrence, if you can't get Deshaun Watson, you're going to have to look at it. I'll tell you this. I don't know that they'd pull the trigger, but if they can't get the deal done, Mac Jones will be in play at eight for the Panthers. Well, so, will, so, will, well, so will Trey Lance. So well, that, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what Joe Brady and Matt Rule, uh, you mm-hmm. know, are going to are going to decide who they like better. Yeah. I, I, again, remember that the draft boards are not they're not one draft board. They're different depending on what each team's critical factors are. So the point is, is that taking Mac Jones too high? In my opinion, yes. I think there's yeah. there's is taking Trey Lance too yes, but you know what? I thought Patrick Mahomes was taking a little too high too. Yeah. Uh, you know, so the the need for a court now different. If I'm gonna reach on a guy, I'm gonna take a guy that's really athletic, really talented, physical gifts, and he's got some intangible qualities that I don't care about his numbers. Cause you know, if you go with Mike's theory, the guy that's really good that didn't have numbers is Justin Herbert. And he yes. looks like the best of the three. Joe Absolutely. Burrow is going to be really good. And Joe Burrow, not fair because his season was cut short. Justin Herbert looks special. Justin Herbert looks like the next Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Big guy, 
240 pounds that can run, that a gun for an arm and can do things. And he's got the goods that maybe people question about the heart, the intangibles. We'll, we'll let the careers of both and the talent around them determine who's better. But I feel much more comfortable hitching my wagon to Justin Herbert and say Joe Burrow off of last year's draft than Tua because I worry about Tua. To say, I think Tua's got to learn and develop certain things. But here's the thing. I think Miami's comfortable with Tua to a point. But if they can parlay that using Tua as part of a deal to get Deshaun Watson, I say you do it, and I say they will do it. I mean, you know, but I don't know that the Texans, if it's going to be enough for the Texans. I mean, mm-hmm. at some point, you got to say, this is too rich. I mean, you know, I mean, we can bring him in here, and then we're going to be – we're going to – you know, I, you know, you just, you, at some point you have to have a team you can put around them, but I, I, I absolutely think that the dolphins are good enough. I selfishly, man, that division would be really interesting. If Deshaun Watson was in it and Josh Allen, you talk about instant contender there. I think the dolphins would be pretty good. Um, just with Deshaun, with what they have now, you know, it's interesting. Um, <laughs> As we have a question from Rockwest who wants to know the thoughts on the theory that a quarterback needs two full years of starts in college football to be ready. And I always think about the Parcells quarterback checklist, right, which was um, be a three-year starter was one of the things on the checklist. And if you look back at last year's draft and you take knowing what we know now about the outcome of these players – and you take Parcells' quarterback rules, which is two-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio, 60% completion percentage, start 30 games, win 23 of those 30 games, be a three-year starter, be a senior, and graduate. Do you know the quarterback that checked off every single one of those as a yes? Justin well, Herbert. Yeah, well, here's the thing. And I, I used to <laughs> I used to I used to um argue with Bill on one point is I've seen a lot of quarterbacks that are really good that are on bad teams. So yeah, I, I never, but, but it's funny uh, that you just talked about yes. Justin Herbert potentially being yes. the best out of this group. Yes. And he's the one that checked off every single one of those boxes. Yeah. But you know, some of it, people worried about leadership and fire and all that. And it's just, you know, you, you just don't know. Okay. Uh, to rock's question. Yeah. I want guys to have 30 starts. Um, if, 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 if you, if, you know, and, and Bill would have to adjust if he was in the game today, nobody has 30 starts. Yeah. Cause so, so yeah, what are you going to do? Eliminate it and just don't play a quarterback. You don't have it. So <laughs> to your point, rock, are they ready? No, none of them are ready. Herbert's not ready. Burrow's not ready. Two is not ready. None of them are ready. It's no longer about whether they're ready. You have to go in and you have to get them. Was Josh Allen ready? Josh Allen ready? No, it got them ready. They got good team around them, and they could do good things. Sam Donner, was he ready? No. Bad team around them. Sorry, Scott. You mm-hmm. know, don't, don't do a good job. He's bad. I'm not saying they're all the same. They're not one guy. They're, they're all a little different. But what you have to do today that's different is you have to accept the fact that you're not going to have 30 starts because they all come out early. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, I don't know. Um, I don't have my stuff with me. I have to look. How many starts? Um, he's had three years, though. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's close. So if you don't have that many starts, you can't you can't necessarily rule it out. I mean, you know, if you go into that theory as well, Joe Burrow, if he was that good, he wouldn't have. Uh, Urban Meyer, a great coach, wouldn't have, you know, picked somebody else over him. 
Well, he did. You know, and, <laughs> you, know you go under these theories, you can die with those theories. Okay. So, no, I think what you have to do is, are you ready? No, but you have to get them ready. Here's the other thing that I don't think people know. It takes, in my opinion, 30 starts. I use the 30 on the other side. It takes 30 starts in the NFL before you even know what you have at quarterback. I mean, you will know by 30 starts. Yeah. You may have a little bit of a feel if a guy starts to click before that, but if a guy doesn't play well through 20, 25 starts, uh, it is not time to panic. It's it's not because it really depends on the team around them. Uh, 30 starts are a barometer. Now, again, so when people say, does it take a year, two years? No, no, it takes starts. I mean, if you, you sit – the first year and play two games, well, then it's, you know, you're only two out of the 30 you really need. Yep. 25 to 30 starts is what you need in the NFL to develop and know what you have. So certainly you'd like to have that in college. It's just that today we don't see as many guys stay that long, but you do see a lot of these guys start sooner. So I think it's, you know, to me, it's I want to absolutely have so two full years is what Roxanne is, you know, two full years is 24 starts. So that's in that range. Yeah. You know, if you're playing bowl games and, you, yeah. know, put up, you know, you got, you got 26 starts. Yes. But that's what I'm looking at. So, I mean, that could come in different forms. One year starting a little bit, uh, maybe three games and then, you know, full to, you know, there's different ways to do it. But some of the injuries and some of the other circumstances could kind of curtail that a little bit and hurt your hurt your chances. Look, I mean, look at look at a guy like a Jalen Hurts that uh, apparently that's who the, the the Eagles right or wrong are going hitching their wagon to. And you know, this they drafted Carson Wentz, and Carson Wentz had a whole bunch of starts, and mm-hmm. Carson Wentz looked really good. And he, we seen him do it, as Bill Walsh says. Once you see him do it, is your job as a coach, my friend to make sure that he does it over and over again. Well, he did it for a stretch, and he's lost it. Well, you think the fact that they haven't been as good around him, you think the protection has been awful, you think Mm -hmm. that has something to do with it? Anybody watch the Super Bowl and how Mahomes struggled? I I think there's a lot that gets thrown at the quarterback's feet, and it's much criticism, much is expected. I get all that. However, when you're evaluating quarterbacks, nobody has the patience to let it play out a little bit more. And too often we make snap judgments, but I am, if a guy doesn't play well early, I'm more patient with it. If he does play well early, it's not a guarantee that he will be consistently good. It's just an indicator that he has all the components to be as good. And if he can continue to grow because your success early may mean they haven't figured out how to defend you yet. Well, once you learn how to defend you, if you're, constantly working and getting better. You can constantly stay ahead of the game. I can remember doing the conversations about Josh Allen a year, year and a half ago about this guy's a bust. You think mm-hmm. this guy's good enough? Now he's, oh, it's Josh Allen and Mahomes. It's Mahomes and Josh. You know I mean? It's it's just we get a little bit too ridiculous with a little bit of overreaction to it. Do you think then – uh, you know, and and from a Jets perspective, because if you look at people's mock drafts, I know Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network uh, came out with his, and he has Zach Wilson of BYU being taken by the Jets at second overall. And, of course, the Jets are one of the teams that was in discussions with the possible Deshaun Watson trade, obviously involving that second overall pick. They have a new head coach, new coaching staff, which means new offensive coordinator and all that stuff. So the idea of starting fresh 
with a quarterback is it, it makes sense to a degree. You know, coach wants their guy. You know, it's it's better to have their handpicked guy than someone that they inherit. But looking at Sam Darnold and the disadvantages that he's had for his first two years in the league, is it too quick to judge him? And does he need more time before you can actually figure out who exactly he is at the NFL level? Well, I'm just going to tell you, Sam Donald's better talent than Zach Wilson. So I'm, if I'm the Jets, I'm not taking him. I mean, unless there's just there's no confidence, in, and I'm not in that building every day, and if there's something that's a turnoff with Sam Donald, so be it. Um, I mean, I can't, I can't answer that. I can just say he's a more talented guy, and he's a guy that if they were in the same drafts, it, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. So I'm taking Sam Donald, and I'm building a team around him unless there's something there that this guy is just, I don't know, he's, he just he doesn't want it, he doesn't have the fire. I, I, I don't know. But to me, I, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And now, now the projecting of what somebody might do and all that, I look, I, I don't care about projecting what somebody's going to do as much as what's the right thing. In my mm -hmm. opinion, that's how I would play it if I were them. Um, we discussed it before. If you're going to do that, and if you don't like Sam Darnold, then you take the same approach that the Dolphins are doing. Yeah. And I don't know what Nick Cesario thinks about Sam Darnold, uh, but I try to make that move, or I try to, I try to make a move with, uh, I, I mean, I, I try to get to Sean Watson if that's what I was going to do. I mean, sure. you know, if I'm, I'm going to do that, I'm, I'm not going to. I, I think Zach Wilson has a chance to develop into a good player. So does Sam Darnold. And, and, and again, if you look at all the attributes in every area coming out at the same stage, Sam Darnold is better. So something has to be wrong with Sam Darnold or something's wrong with the people evaluating them in their building if they – think this guy's better because it's always the grass is always greener i i don't i don't i'm missing something that they're seeing in that building if, if mm -hmm. they're planning on taking zach wilson over sam Darnold. Well, you, know, you, you, you know where i stand i told you this last week if i'm the jets i'm, I'm keeping darnold and i'm drafting panay sewell and i'm having sewell and becton as my tackles for the next 10 years and i'm starting my team with a foundation of my offensive line that's where I'm going. I just think that that's the move. I think that you can't play without an offensive line. Uh, we saw it in the Super Bowl, as great as Patrick Mahomes is. The offensive line was banged up. He's running for his life. It doesn't matter. You know, you could have Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, whoever. There's no offensive line. They're not going to do anything. That's so right. That, that's so where I would it, go. And, and I'm, not, I'm not comparing the players, but if you want to compare situations, and I think that not enough is put into that. Yeah, a big part of the reason why Patrick Mahomes – is successful. A, he's great. B, it's very good system, very well coached, and they got a ton of weapons, a boatload of weapons. And I know they were not healthy in the Super Bowl, but a good offensive line that's got good two tackles when they're healthy, and they've got weapons galore. And, you know, so they can get it done. Now, if you're to me, if it's me, I'm doing that and I'm getting Sam some weapons. Yep. Um, I didn't like some of the things that they've done in the past. And again, maybe it's locker room, maybe it's culture. Obviously it was, but you got to start building a defense, which I thought they were, were, you know, close to doing in the past regime. Now the team's not good. The team doesn't have talent. It doesn't have playmakers. So what you try to do is you try to do what you said, get good pass protectors, but Scott run the football. 
be able to run the football, find a tight end that could make, you know, play, get receiver. Wet. I mean, you've got to do that. And then defensively, you've got to be pretty good. Because if you're going to be down and your defense can't stop anybody, your quarterback's not going to be very good. You're not going to have – there's there's given them – they they the Jets have been so bad that it is tough to evaluate Sam Donald. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the Jets are going to do the right thing because – I mean, I'm going to give Joe Douglas a chance. You got to, but if you don't use the, you can have all the draft picks in the world. It, it's about getting good players. Draft picks only lead to good picks or bad picks and good development. And the Jets haven't done good in any of that. So if they turn around and don't use those picks well, then Sam Darnold will quote unquote be a bust. And then we'll let him go to San Francisco one day and Kyle Shanahan will make him a really good quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just that. That's I think been lost in this whole process. I think Sam Dono is good. He may not be great. He may not be that that you know die in the wool, cut your heart out and stick it down your throat. But I think the guy is tough. I think he can let bad plays you know behind him and move on. I think he's got the intangibles. I think he's definitely got the physical skills. I don't think the coaching and the talent around him. Has, I think it's been about as bad as we've seen in the NFL yeah. for a long time. I mean, Matthew Stafford. I think Matthew Stafford is an outstanding talent. I think he's a leader. I think he's a winner. He hasn't done a damn thing in, in Detroit. Why do you think that is? I just think that sometimes when we label guys as bust is because we don't un- – some people just don't understand the talent level around them, and they see – I think it's the – I call it the the highlight of the red zone phenomenon. Hey, Matthew Stafford threw another pick, Scott. Sam Donald yeah. threw another pick. They don't really see what does it. They just look at the results, and they affix certain things to certain people that they want to or point blame. you got to study the game. you got to understand the game. And I just don't think that certain teams have done a very good job with it. I, I That's what I would do with the Jets. I would not. And I think Zach Wilson can be outstanding. And I would bet the right situation with the right team, he will be. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you, I, I, I'll ask that question different people. Sam Donald, Zach Wilson. I know where I stand on it. I don't yeah. know that I can find of, of, of a dozen people who I respect that are the counterparts in this league that, that are really good personnel evaluators. I don't know that I can find anybody that would do that. That would take, you know, yeah. Zach over I Sam. Would, Unless there's something going wrong with, with, mm-hmm. with Sam, I just don't know. In terms of the skill position players that are available in this draft, uh, Kyle Pitts is getting a lot of love, rightfully so. The kid was tremendous, and he's got all mm-hmm. the size and the attributes. Would he – if you're drafting and you're a team that need has a need at the skill position, Mark, and I guess the first team might be the Dolphins, it might be the Bengals, or I don't know, maybe the whatever. I don't think the Falcons would, but let's just say it's the Eagles. The 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 uh, let's see, Bengals pick at five. Well, Dolphins are at three, Bengals are at five, Eagles are at six. Okay, uh, does Kyle Pitts make sense before you take one of these wide receivers? Like, even though he's a tight end. You know how versatile he is, and he could be like a Travis Kelsey type tight end, so you can line him up wherever. Does he go before one of the wide receivers? Does he go before a Jamar Chase? Does he get taken, uh, bef- you know, before? Well, I guess yeah, Chase or Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith. Yeah, like I, that, like 
that's the question I guess I would ask. Would would Kyle Pitts be the first skill position player off the off the board? Probably not. I, I mean, I think both those receivers go before, but you can make that case. Um, look, you got two different dynamics because you've got Devontae Smith, that's the great player, the great season, um, the polished guy, and then Jamar Chase is kind of the not forgotten in scouting parlance, but in play this year, you know, but bigger, more physical. And then Kyle Pitts was outstanding. So you could make the case. Yeah. Kyle Pitts, number one, I, I think, I, I think that, um, I think you throw it into consideration. I think he's a top 15 pick. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Uh, but like if I'm the dolphins, for example, if you throw them in there and you know, they're sitting there at, uh, uh, well, they got, they're at three. By Houston because they got Houston's pick. That's that's the other thing too. Yeah, that's that's the other thing. You know, if, if you want to make a deal, I mean, does does Miami in that position and, and say you, you want your pick back? <laughs> you want to redo? You know, I mean that that that's that's so funny. I don't want to, re- but if you're Miami, um, you know, Kyle pitches. Is, is better than Gasecki, but Gasecki can do a lot of those things. I, I probably think most people would have them graded in the same tier. Um, I, I, you know, and I, I think you'd have to put it under consideration as a possibility. Yeah. You know, that you can consider taking pits. I do think that, um, that the receivers will, at least one of them will probably be taken before. Running backs, and, and we'll get more into this, obviously, as we get closer to the draft. But just real quick, Najee Harris or Travis Etienne? I think it depends on what you're looking for, and I'm not trying to – for me, Najee Harris. I want the guy that's a power back with explosiveness. The Derrick Henry type back. But with with more explosiveness, believe it or not, and I think can do better out of the backfield than, say, Derrick. I, I think he's special. Now, Travis Etienne is – if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, I know they got Clyde Edwards Delaire, but you he's know, that you're, type you're, of guy, though. Yes. Yeah. You know, that I mean, Chiefs would not really, I mean, they wouldn't be interested in Najee, that type of back. And I'm not talking but, about but a pass first <laughs> offense like the Kansas City Chiefs. Like like most people well, yes. would yes. do well with a Travis Etienne because it's, you know, it's he's a guy Absolutely. that's gonna catch a ton of passes out of the backfield and can line up at receiver in certain formations as well. He's he's more of the modern pass first back that's got speed to the edge. Najee's more of the take control of the game type of back that could kind of change that way. So I think that um, for me, I take Najee because I think Najee can do good things out of the backfield. But Etienne is a guy that is a mismatch out of the backfield, whereas Najee is a size guy that can catch out of the backfield. I think as a runner, I'm taking Najee. As a receiver, you got to go with ATN, and that's going to determine. So again, who's ranked number one on the board? Don't pay attention to all this. Not even on my board. I say it. I talk about what they are. So essentially, they're different. They're running backs, but they're different types. So there's no such thing as the best running back on the board. That's going to be different depending upon the style that you run, just like how you run your defense or what have you. Uh, but they're going to be one. And in fact, the teams that like the one style won't even have Najee too and vice versa, because that's not what they want. All right. Better, uh, better NFL legacy 
Antoine Winfield Jr. or Patrick Sertan Jr. or the third, whatever Patrick Sertan's going to be. Well, <laughs> Antoine's off to a good start, but Patrick Sertan is is no. He's a special him. kid, yeah. He's a special guy. He's better than his dad. I can't say that Junior is going to be better than his dad. He's different. He's he can he'll hit you more. And uh, Winfield is he'll hit you probably more than his dad did. Uh, both are good, but I go with uh, Sertan. I you know I, I I think that he is. I think he's the best. Uh, I, I would make the case that. Um, he's as good a defensive player in this draft. I mean, he's really that good. Uh, oh, he could be the first defensive player off the board. Absolutely. Uh, before we get out of here, Chris, um, and I don't want to end the show on a on a down sad note, but tragic news the other day is we lost Vincent Jackson, former wide receiver, thirty eight years old. Uh, the guy, if you look at his numbers, uh, really had a tremendous couple of years. I mean, I remember, I know I've had him on my fantasy teams. Um, you know, between his time with the Chargers and, and the Bucks, um. Your memories when when he was coming out, your evaluation of Vincent Jackson, and what you saw from him in his uh, short tenure in the NFL. Well, I thought he was a really good player. I remember out of um, Northern Colorado, uh, he was one of the one of the early big receivers that we said, "Wow, th- this guy is a mismatch guy," and you don't need to have speed to get open. You can create separation with your size, your strength, and mm-hmm. he had good long speed. I mean, he had good build-up speed. He was so good. Um, he really he was an outstanding player. Um, it's six thousand yard seasons. Yes, no, he was. Look, I mean, he was a big time talent. I mean, it could run the goal route. It could run the post. Um, he was just, a, he was, he was a really talented guy and I didn't get to know him personally, but they tell me one of the, he and his wife, one of the great people, he mm. was so active. I know a lot of guys are okay. Um, he was so active in the community, so active and underprivileged, taking care of underprivileged people. Just really, really sad, um, to hear that it happened. Um, just a just a great guy, very very underrated player, and as I said, one of the one of the first early good big receivers that were size mismatches. So, really really tough to hear. And I, I think that was, if I'm not mistaken, that was the. I, I I'm trying to think. Was he one of the picks that the Chargers got from the Giants? Because the Giant, remember the Chargers got all those picks from the Giants. And it turned into, I think, Sean Merriman and uh, I think the kicker, Nate Kading, right, was one of those picks as well. I know uh, that Jackson was in that. Same year. I, he was in that draft. Yeah, yes, I know that, he was. I know he was in that draft. I just don't know if he was one of those picks that came from the Giants. But I do know that he was um, He was in that draft for the Chargers. And that was like a big deal. Remember that, you know, okay, so the Eli Manning trade wound up giving the Chargers, uh, and that was the argument before the Giants won the Super Bowl, wound up giving the Chargers a couple of Pro Bowl players in uh, Sean Merriman, and uh, I think Darren Sproles was in that draft as well. <laughs> and yeah. So, yeah. yeah, no, that's right. I don't know if he was one of their original picks or was part of the additions with the Giants, but he was in that draft. Look, what a what a really good job they did. Oh, that, that dra- oh, so that draft was Sean Merriman, Luis Castillo, who was a decent defensive tackle, Vincent Jackson in the second round, Darren Sproles in the uh fourth round. That is a tremendous draft. Getting Sean Merriman, Vincent Jackson, and Darren Sproles. I mean, it's a shame that Chargers that, I mean, they had that one year where the Jets actually beat them in the divisional round. 
Uh, and they, they, they had a probably... good year. Then they lost to the Patriots, too, in a tough game. Remember, yes. they dropped the interception, and they were going mm-hmm. in to beat them. And um, it was a, Man, a you tough look, thing you look after at those, the game. You look at those Chargers teams, and you just wonder how they never won. But they, they came so close. They had these great seasons. You know, Daniel Tomlinson was great. And, and Rivers, of course. And, yeah, I'll, I, I remember that Jets game because, remember, that was the Sean Green, I think it was 50-something yard touchdown down run yep. that kind of uh, uh ended the game there but um man they had some really good well, teams those chargers the, teams. the chargers have had um well two eras of great teams because they were really great in the early 80s scott i mean they were really great the the high-flying chargers the dan fouch chargers kellen mm-hmm. winslow senior you had john jefferson um you uh, had charlie joiner um, I mean, just a West Chandler, you had Chuck Muncie, I mean, James Brooks, this was, you know, how we look at the chiefs. That's what the chargers were. They yeah, were, wow. they were then. And then they had the great offensive mind, Don Coriel, which is what the modern day version is Andy Reed. And they mm-hmm. had defenses that couldn't hang up, but back then it's not the same. The rules weren't quite the same. Uh, that's a team that was great. And, and there, the, I don't know if you remember, do you remember? I'm, I always forget. I date myself here. So you were a little too young to remember the ice bowl with the, the, with the uh, Bengals and the chargers, right? Scott, the, yeah, the I don't think, okay. So the night, yeah, the Niners. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I, I kind of forget. So the Niners first Super Bowl win was in, uh, Michigan in, in the Pontiac Silverdome, the old Pontiac Silverdome. They played the Bengals. The Bengals beat the Chargers after the Chargers won one of the greatest playoff games ever against the Dolphins in the Orange mm. Bowl. You've seen that on NFL films, I'm sure, a hundred times. But the Chargers, yeah. San Diego Chargers, went to Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati and played what was the second coldest game in pro football history, recorded history. It was one of those, as most people are listening to this, in the frigid weather. It was one of those. I don't I'm going to get it wrong, but it's like minus 60 <laughs> wind chill factor, all of that. And it was the Chargers. I mean, you couldn't do anything. And, you know, it's just, just – it was, it was truly where the cold affected the game. The only thing closest was remember the Packers-Giants when the Giants beat the Packers – and Brett Favre and them in, in, in the playoffs, that was yep. a bitter call. That that wasn't even close yeah, to Tom Cla- I mean, Tom that Coughlin's was, face is still red. Yeah, yeah. Tom said, you know, yeah. He says, he says, yeah, y'all used to be after my ass. Now you're after my face. You know, because the face was red with the Vaseline. That was cold. That was bitter. But that was yeah. that was about 20 degrees warmer than what it was in this this Cincinnati San Diego right. day, which is the second coldest since the ice bowl in Green Bay and Dallas. But anyway. That that a lot of people thought that Charger team could have won it, and, and others. Um, that was a great Charger team that just just couldn't get over. And I think it's I think one of the greatest football minds ever. And just goes to show you that the 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 media just doesn't get it, and they don't know. They look Don Coriel is one of the greatest football minds ever. I mean, he's not Sid Gilman, but on along those same lines, the yeah. lineage. I mean, Joe Gibbs from history, all of those guys, the the great Sid Gilman's the the father of the modern day passing game, old AFL days, ironically with the Chargers. 
Coriel was phenomenal. Coriel was great at San Diego State. He was great with the Chargers. And, you know, his teams weren't good enough defensively. And, and in that mm-hmm. day, you know, you didn't – you didn't – you just – you had to play better defense and people could run the football on you a little bit more. And now – um, they couldn't put people away. But anyway, I digress. So Yeah, and, and speaking of the Chargers, before we go, as Rock rem- reminds us, Marty Schottenheimer as well, who we lost yeah, recently. M- so. Marty, we lost Marty yeah. recently, of course. And, and again, he was part of, uh, ironically, the opposite of Coriel. You know, Marty Ball run the football yep, yep. with, with the Lede, and those teams were really good. And A.J. Smith is the guy he's referring to. Um, you know, Marty, we lost him. Marty did a great job, too, with the – with the Browns and the Chiefs and the Chargers. And, you know, um, so, you know, it, it's uh, no question about it. The, the Chargers had some, some runs. And remember, ironically, they did go to the Super Bowl one year. Yes, and lost, they, they got blown win. out. Bobby yeah. Ross got blown out by the yeah. Steve Young Niners. I mean, yeah. as they say in the South, blown out big Blown time. out, blown and out. That, that was game. like one of the worst footballs <laughs> ever, not even competitive. So. No, not worse than what we just saw this year. Uh, well, Chris, uh, yeah, I know you're going to be busy on LandryFootball.com as we prepare for the draft. All of the uh, free agency news coming up, the depth chart analysis, and, of course, this quarterback carousel, which could be, you know, coming to a close at some point as we get closer to the draft. All of it can be found on LandryFootball.com. Absolutely. Follow our daily notebooks every day. What's going on around the league, around college football? We've got it for you. And as you mentioned, it's got um, working on uh, free agency stuff, uh, evaluations of each team's off-season plans, draft and free agency, draft boards, free agent boards, got all that coming up. And for our, for your college fans, um, wrapping up now, signing days over, but still some late signings. So I'm, I'm finishing up and putting to bed the 2021 recruiting class. How did the staff, uh, the classes, uh, stack up nationally by conference. And then I'm going to do analysis of each of the rosters in a conference. So it kind of get, and then of course, we'll keep you up to date on transfer portal information and class of 2022 recruiting, but we're going to be focusing obviously the lion's share of our focus on uh, the draft free agency, but it's one-stop shopping football. Take advantage of our scouting season offer today. You're going to absolutely love it. If you love like football, you're going to love Landry football. Be sure to follow Chris on Twitter at Landry Football. You can follow me at Scott's On Air. And if you want to listen to this show in podcast form, just subscribe to Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcast from. But keep it locked into the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football for all of the football shows that we offer here on the channel. It's just nonstop content that you're going to love. And uh, we appreciate you guys joining us in the chat room, asking your questions. And we'll be back each and every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern right here on twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football for Chris. I'm Scott. This is the football film room. We'll talk to you next week, everyone. Anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U S like I am now identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. 
Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.